Hey there, folks, and welcome to another tent pole edition of Eddie and Caleb's HeroCast. That's right, episode 100 of the mainline HeroCast. Of course, my name is Caleb Baldwin, and you can follow me on Twitter at I am Caleb B. That's I am Caleb, and then another B. Follow my friend, co host, and producer, Edward Cornelison at EDDYC85. And Eddie, we're not alone today, of course. We brought out the big guns because this is a big episode. Am I right? You are right. Let me, uh, real quick, if I don't screw this up, I already have. Some- Go ahead. <laughs> All right, you're going to play some ACDC, and we're no. going to bring out Robert Jr. Here we go. Oh, shoot. Yeah, let me do the celebratory. Um,. I looked in the fridge and I was like, what screams 100? And certainly canned beer does not, but uh, it's from Ballast Point, so it's my favorite brewery. So I was like, well, favorite brewery, might as well for episode 100. Yes, well, I completely forgot about the drink thing, and uh, I happen to have a can of Dr. Pepper and cream soda with zero sugar beside me. So I, I opened that tonight, so... Oh. Gonna enjoy that throughout this episode. Way to way to stay committed. Absolutely, absolutely. Uh, but like I said, we're not alone. Um, returning for his third appearance on the podcast, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, Eddie, I, I don't remember. <laughs> Why don't we let I him know. tell us? <laughs> yes, yes. Uh, <laughs> my uh, my social suplex cohort, uh, videographer. Uh, does quite a lot. Follow him on Twitter at SGC Speaks, if I'm not mistaken. Yes. Absolutely. Simon Cotton. How are you today, sir? I am doing pretty good. Uh, glad to be back. Congratulations on the 100th episode. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. You know, if you, if you take the number of episodes we made and you <laughs> divide that by our listeners... You get like a four or a five, so <laughs> not to brag or anything, not to brag on our listener count or anything, but, you know, either way, Simon, thank you for coming back on. We are recording on Monday, February 21 at 8.15 Central Standard Time, and let's get right into it. You guys okay with that? Absolutely. Absolutely. Jinx, you both owe me a Coke. All right. So, Iron Man 2, this was released on May 7, 2010. This was directed by John Favreau. Real quick, your champions in wrestling. In the WWE, John Cena was your WWE champion on Raw, and Jack Swagger, Oklahoma Zone, was the World Heavyweight Champion on SmackDown. In Ring of Honor, of course, Tyler Black, still your Ring of, Ring of Honor World Champion. And in TNA, Rob Van Dam still your TNA World Heavyweight Champion. Oh, man. Uh, So nothing new from last week. Uh, It's going to be that way for a couple more movies. Number one song here in the country at the time, digital downloads, was Nothing On You by B.O.B. featuring Bruno Mars. 2010 was like a big year for Bruno Mars, guys. Yeah. Extremely. I'm pretty sure that's the year that he launched as a a mainstay in uh, pop music. Yeah. And it's funny because, you know, he launched as a feature, you know, it's like he featured on this and he featured on Billionaire as well. And I think this was the same year Just the Way You Are came out. Ooh. 
I thought that was earlier, but I could be wrong. I mean, I could be as well. This is mostly a guest on my end. What were you doing in March of 20, May of 2010, sorry. May of 20, bro, I was a high school freshman who didn't have a driver's license who lived in the middle of Oklahoma, so nothing. I had a big summer, so I was in the final quarter of college before I graduated, and I know I've mentioned this before, if you want to lower the cost of college, lower the amount of electives people need to take, that would help. Because I had everything I needed for my major, but I was like nine credits short, so I took three classes. Um, one was one was actually not bad. Uh, it was an easy A, but it was actually kind of entertaining. It was conspiracy theories, and it was about uh, basically they would tell you a conspiracy theory, 9/11 or JFK or whatever, and you'd tell you why you do or don't agree with it, and kind of try and debunk it or support it and helped you think outside the box so i did like that one a couple other ones was not so much there was a health and fitness class which i thought would be an easy a and it was very hard i actually had a licensed physical therapist tutor me in that and she looked at the material and was like this are you sure this is not an advanced class i was like no this is a 101 class and even (laughs) she thought it was very hard and she does you know, is not a doctor, but close to it. And uh, what was the other? Oh, the theater class. So, quick story with the theater class, which I thought would be an easy A. The, uh, I don't think the teacher liked me for, for whatever reason. I can only surmise that it was because I had jury duty, and I for two weeks, um, every day for two weeks straight, I was coming in late to his class, and um, you know, I couldn't help it, but. I, uh, I didn't mind the jury duty part because baseball season, I, I wasn't doing the baseball in the summer. And because summer quarter was kind of light, we didn't do the college night at the local bar. So I had no income at the time. So jury duty at $25 a day, that sound, you know, at the end you get $200. That sounded like a ton of money. So I was very happy about that. Um, plus I got a jail tour, which was pretty cool. But... Came in every day late. He'd be like, "Oh, how was jury duty?" I'd be like, "Well, I can't, I can't say on this." And uh, yeah, never got called to a trial or anything. I don't. They barely did anything that whole two-week stretch. It was around the Fourth of July um, stretch, so I don't think they wanted anything to go to trial. So, but yeah, that was uh, that was it. Graduated last quarter was a pain in the ass, but got through it. <laughs> Oh, Otter by an alumnus, Ed, Edward Cornelison. Very proud of you, sir. Yeah, we're done with college for now. Good on you. Simon, if you feel like disclosing anything, anything cool happened to you? Did you do anything cool in May of 2010? No, not really. Um, <laughs> uh, I don't know if the viewers know this, but you and I are about the same age, so yeah. I was same same boat, uh, freshman in high school. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I guess, like, School was about to end around this time. That was cool. But, like, what are you going to do? You can't drive anywhere. So, I mean, I don't know. Um, Sorry, guys. Not a riveting time capsule on my end. I hope Eddie uh, carried the both of us as much as he could. Um, History with this movie, I'll start. I've 
actually never seen this before, and I was led astray by a lot of people who said they didn't like this movie. And I mean, opinions are like armpits, you know, but it's like, this was a lot better than I was led to believe, man. Yeah, I'd seen it once, maybe seen a few scenes here and there on TV, but it was it was a lot more enjoyable than I remember, I will say that. And um, I, I guess I'll say it now, um, you know, there's been like over 20 Marvel movies made, and this one felt like the first one. I know they did the end credit scene at Hulk and uh, uh, Iron Man 1, but this felt like the first one where they were really building the MCU and they were dropping hints, leading to other things, introducing new characters. And it was, it was a lot of fun. Well, yeah, the way uh, they allude to, oh, sorry, Simon, go ahead. Yeah. I was just going to say uh, on the note of the movies, uh, at the time of this recording, um, 25 movies have been released, uh, excuse me, 27 movies have been released thus far mm-hmm. with the latest one being, Spider-Man No Way Home. And, um... Yeah, I'll I'll hold off my comments for now. You can go ahead. (laughs) Okay, alright. Um, yeah, also, this is noteworthy for being the MCU debut of... And we'll talk about it in the cast, obviously, but the MCU debut of... Eddie, are you, like, messing with a bag of Doritos over there or something? Nope. Okay. Um... (laughs) That being said, the MCU debut of one Scarlett Johansson in Oh Boy. Yeah. If only 15 years Caleb would have seen this, you know what I'm saying? Whew. I know what you're saying. Um, yeah. As far as the numbers, it uh, so the Rotten Tomatoes, critics, fans kind of agreed. Critics were 72, fans 71. And, wow. Uh, but the budget... I got it. Two hundred million box office, six hundred and twenty-three point nine million. So, who cares what the fans and critics say? Because it made four hundred and twenty-three point nine million. That is a five forty-six point six in today's money. Puts it at number eight on the list, right behind Iron Man, but right above Batman from nineteen eighty-nine. About that. And just so already. We got a we got an Iron Man sequel cracking the top ten. Mm-hmm. The two Iron Men, Iron mm-hmm. Man and all three Spider Men. Yes. And two Batman. Yeah. And the Incredibles and Hancock, Dark Knight, and the Mask. The Mask is still in there. That's funny. <laughs> <laughs> still holding strong, man. Yeah, hey, Jim to Carrey, 10. buddy. That Jim Carrey in 1994 draw it lives on for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, returning cast, who stuck out to you guys in a good or bad way? I will let Eddie start. In fact, name someone off and like, how did you feel about their performance this go around? Well, I guess you got to start. Um, I guess we'll save, uh, save old Robert Downey for the end, but, uh, yeah, I guess we could start with Gwyneth Paltrow as Virginia Pepper Potts. She had a lot more to do. In this particular movie, so I like that. Uh, she took over as CEO of, uh, mm-hmm. of Stark Industries and showed a lot more. Not that she didn't in the first movie, but she, you know, she still showed the backbone that she had in the first movie, but this time she was also not just a personal assistant. So I thought that was pretty good. I would agree. I thought it was weird that she um, 
tried to sell her bathwater as perfume, though. Wait, what? Uh, it... That's a that's a Gwyneth Paltrow joke. She does weird stuff like that all the time. Oh, well, that's weird. Maybe maybe not that specific thing, but like she's done some weird stuff in the past, man. Um, I actually have a little context uh, because I saw somebody pointing it out on Twitter. It's a little bit more weird than bathwater. I'm just gonna leave it. I'm just gonna leave it at that. Well, I'm gonna Google it. <laughs> oh man, a sweaty gym towel. I don't know. Uh, well, he's not a returning guy, but I guess we can do. A, oh my god! I guess yep. we can do a Don Cheadle as James Rhodey Rhodes. I, I, I have some. I have some words to say about this one. <laughs> oh my god! Oh boy! Go ahead. Um. So, have either have you? Have either you seen? Uh, I'm pretty sure both of you have seen Fresh Prince to some extent, whether in passing or watch it or watch the vast majority of it. Oh, dude, that that's yeah. like a that was a mainstay in my household as a kid. If I woke up early one morning and you know I threw on TBS, yeah, let's watch Fresh Prince, dude. All right. So. Then you'll also be familiar with the fact that Aunt, Viv, Aunt Viv's character <laughs> was initially a dark-skinned woman, and somewhat, some, at some point during the show, they replaced her with a lighter-skinned woman. Now, I'm not, I'm not here to primarily talk about that. I'm just using it as an example. Yeah. So in yeah. Iron Man One, that happened. Uh, James Ro- James Rhodey, James Rhodes, known as Rhodey, is p- portrayed by uh, I, I can't believe, Terrence Howard. Yes. There we go. And I thought he did a pretty good performance overall. Uh, he's by far the biggest star, I believe, in the movie at the time. Um, since Samuel L. Jackson's uh, appearance was in the post credit scene. Mm-hmm. And then this movie, and in Iron Man 2, they replace him with a, the complete opposite. They don't. They don't have a similar shape. Head. Their voices aren't the same. Literally, they went to the opposite extreme. The finest actor, which is no shade on Don Cheadle, because his performances have been pretty, have been solid each time I've seen him. Oh this yeah, is, I loved one. him. I loved him in Space Jam too. <laughs> yeah, he's he, he is a really good actor. Yeah, of I all his him. appearances. Sorry, Eddie. What oh. do you love him in? I loved him as Ice Tray in the Fresh Prince of Bel Air. <laughs> sorry, ah. sorry, Simon. Sorry to derail you. Go ahead. No, 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 no. It's all good. Uh, I'd almost forgotten about that until you mentioned. Um, I would say though, if in all of his appearances, this is probably the one that's, um, as far as initial appearances go, it's not that interesting. Mm-hmm. I feel like he. His, his portrayal was here was okay, and I think he got a lot better as he continued with the role. Dude, I'm gonna be honest. Uh, Don Cheadle, until basically until Civil War, kind of feels like background fodder. I, if that's a hot take, I apologize, but I mean it's like really think about it, you know. I mean, he he's not a part of any of the Avengers action in that movie. He he helps in Iron Man three. And yep. he doesn't become a mainstay on the Avengers until the third act of Avengers Age of Ultron. Honestly, that's not a hot take. That's kind of accurate to how he's been used. I would even say even in recent movies and TV shows, he's still kind of a third act 
or a secondary character. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Come to think of it, real quick, have we seen him since Endgame? Yes. Um, are any? He makes an appearance in one of the recent TV shows. I'm not. I'm not sure how caught up you you both uh, are. We watch all of them. Yeah, he did a okay. voice in What yeah. If. Yeah, he did that, and he specifically appeared in The Falcon and The Winter Soldier. Oh, yes, yes he sir. did. Yeah. My apologies. Yep, played himself. Well, not Don Cheadle, mm-hmm. but James Rhodes. Um, yeah, Sorry. I, I mean, I was going to say, I, I liked him. Um, it's tough because the character, like you said, doesn't, you know, get as much airtime, but it is cool to have War Machine in the movie, I will say, because they teased it last movie so you had to deliver and they did they just changed the actor so there you go yeah for sure um also never mind i'll tell you guys off the air i found out what the uh gwyneth paltrow candle thing was um (laughs) i saw it um returning who else do we have there to return to talk about like nobody iron man well, uh, I was, uh, was going to say Robert Downey, but that's about the only one. Yeah. I would also I would also mention Shield agent Phil Coulson. Yeah, he got a he got a big role in this. Not a big role, but uh, what he was doing is going to lead to something very big. Yes, for sure, for sure. How about no, I, oh, here's like, a recurring guy, Samuel L. Jackson as Nick Fury. Oh. Yeah, of course. Yeah, technically Love returning, yeah. Love Nick Fury. Oh, Absolutely. Yeah. I'm just going to say that every movie he's in. Yeah, I love Nick Fury. Yeah, he's a great guy. <laughs> he's All a right. great MF. Yeah. All right, final return, Robert Downey Jr. as Tony Stark, Iron Man. More of the same, but that's not a bad thing. Yeah, I thought... Yeah. Uh, not even more of the same, but I thought he, he took the character like he was already... You know, he was already Iron Man, so we didn't have to go through all that again. And mm-hmm. I, um, I liked that. You know, there was several different directions he was being pulled in the movie. There was, you know, the government trying to take his stuff. There was dealing with this Ivan Banco guy. There was the fact that he was sick, and so it was all kind of a, you know. He made it work with uh, his character being pulled three different ways. Yeah, I would say that his performance in this movie was really good. The only problem that I would have with his performance is not necessarily what he's doing. It's rather the material he's been given. And like you said just a second ago, how many directions he's being pulled in. There's Tony, the responsible, Tony, the alcoholic, Tony, the man child. And instead of really fleshing out a lot of those different things and a lot of those different aspects to his character, they kind of just show him for a couple of seconds and move on. Yeah, I mean, I guess. I didn't mind it as much just because that's kind of the life of a billionaire. They're going to have multiple things going on, not to this extent, but uh, I don't know. He adapted quickly, so that was good. (laughs) For sure. Real quick shout out to making her return. I never thought I would see this name pop up in the hero cast again. Returning from Zoom, Kate Mara as a U.S. Marshal. Nothing to really note there. She was in one scene. Yeah. 
Uh, spoiler alert, I am going to rate this higher than I rated Zoom. Well, I would hope so. Yeah. <laughs> Zoom oh, bo- terrible. It's legitimately, besides Catwoman, maybe the worst movie we've ever reviewed. Um, Senator, oh, shout out Gary Shandling, a.k.a. Larry Sanders, as Senator Stern. Mm-hmm. I'm told by the boys here we had a Elon Musk cameo. Yep. I didn't see him. Well, he was there. And a Bill O'Reilly cameo. Yes, a Bill O'Reilly cameo. Uh, Stan Lee as Larry King. That was good. That was good. Um, I mean, we can talk about uh, Scarlett Johansson as Natasha Romanoff, but they didn't give her a lot. Uh, I thought it was a good introduction to the character. Um, yeah. So I thought she had a couple scenes that uh, she was able to really show something. Um, yeah, but not a not a terrible a lot, uh, not a terrible high amount. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I. She, it's it's another one of those situations where because of the lack of focus, it's not as much of a punch with her character so it's like oh that was nice versus i really i really enjoy that character because like you said there's only that one big scene and there's subtle build-up to the revelation of her being a shield agent but there's really not that much uh going on with her she gets much more flushed out in the big the big hero movie coming later down the line Mm -hmm. yeah uh i guess we got the the two villains start with Sam Rockwell as Justin Hammer. Yes, on this President's Day recording, we have a man who played George Bush. Uh, Sam Rockwell as Justin Hammer. I like Sam Rockwell. I really do. And like pretty much anything he's ever been in, uh, especially loved him in The Green Mile as well. He was fine here. Uh, pencil pusher, kind of a geek, also kind of a dick. And he played the role very well. Yeah, he was Tony Stark's rival. He was inferior and jealous and uh, tried to one-up him, but failed. So it worked out. It was, it was good. Yeah, he... <laughs> I kind of like what they brought to his character, because when you, when you think back to Obadiah Stane in the previous movie, he was... I would say he was intimidating and a lot more... Cov- a lot more covert with a lot of his conniving. Mm-hmm. Meanwhile, with uh, Justin Hammer and the role he's given in this movie, he is, in a lot of ways, very similar to who Tony Stark used to be. Yeah. With with the exception with the exception of the technological prowess, some the scene the scene where he goes to talk to the Senate makes it obvious. That I that Tony Stark is the, was the clear superior. Yes. And um, it's it's actually funny, but I'll save it for the end of the move, the end of this review when it becomes a bit more relevant. Because there's a speci- there's a specific line he says, and I'm gonna call attention to it at the right time. All right, I look forward to that. And also, not only that, like, look, I like Mickey Rourke in The Wrestler, but like. By and large, a basically mute Russian being the main bad guy. Like we need, we need someone that can talk and that we can hate. Like we essentially need a Paul Heyman to his Brock Lesnar, if you will, and that's what Sam Rockwell was here. Yeah, 
Yeah. And speaking of Mickey Rourke, sorry, sorry, oh. go ahead. No, I was just gonna say is Ivan Venko Whiplash. Yes. Yes. Um. You guys go ahead. <laughs> well, I like this character a lot because. He wasn't necessarily... He's always my favorite villain, where the villain doesn't think they're a villain. And I really like that about him, because he was... Uh, I mean, he felt like the Starks, uh, you know, exiled his dad to, you know, Russia. And he felt like the Starks, you know, pretty much screwed over his whole family. And I I liked that he was had the same intelligence as Tony. Maybe not quite as, as high of intelligence, but pretty close. I like that they humanized him a little bit with the parrot and, um, you know, he always, he did the, the toothpick. So he just had these little things about him. But he wasn't, I mean, he was a bad guy, don't get me wrong, but he at least, you at least understood his motives and you could kind of, not maybe not sympathize, but, uh, you know, I guess just uh, figure out like, oh, he's, He's, uh, you know, he's got a clear motive, and I, I understand it. Plus, he was, like, a complete badass uh, in one scene in particular, which I'll mention. Yeah, um, when when I did my research on the movie, just basic Googling and looking up some of the cast members, uh, he, Mickey Rourke, his portrayal of this character was a lot more dedicated to the role than a lot of people might be aware of. He in fact, uh, like like most like most celebrities in superhero movies, he spent a lot of time working out for it. But he also spent time working on is uh, Russian, and he when he was approached for the film, he wanted to give Ivan Vanko a little bit more depth and not make him so much just a generic Russian villain, which he which he talked about in a interview with Complex a few years back. But he says Marvel at the time wasn't looking to really expand on that character. And so the scenes that he did film that would have gone into a little bit more depth were left on the cutting room floor. So so it's which so it's curious to see uh if this was a similar situation to Iron Man One, where the movie was basically being changed up on the fly as, as the production was going along. And I wonder what this movie would have looked like had we gotten some of those scenes. Yeah, that yeah. would have been interesting. I, I know my friend owns this on DVD. I watched it on Disney Plus, so I might have to see if those those made a, a Blu-ray or something somewhere. Yeah. Uh, also, that being said, we'd love to mention how uh, sometimes when the the podcast lines up with real world events, and how about a the bad guy in this movie being a Russian as we stare down the barrel of of World War Three potentially, thanks in large part to Russia. Yeah, well, not to not just, to bring the mood down, but just, you know, it's just it's right there. <laughs> just need Iron Man to uh to save us. Yep, for sure. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh, uh, have we talked about all the cast now? I feel like I think, uh, yeah, I can't. I think, think everybody who yeah everybody who stands out and has mm-hmm. a major performance, I think, has been addressed. Yeah. Oh, uh, shout out John Slattery as Howard Stark. Was this his first appearance as Howard Stark? Um, I, was he in the yes. first one? I don't no. think so. In the in the first one, they had a completely different actor. 
they look very similar and you can't really tell in passing because you only see him in that brief those one or two brief uh pick pictures in that collage but uh this is this would be his first appearance interesting all right with that uh, i believe we can get into the uh into the plot right yeah well we open in moscow yeah where Russia's invading the Ukraine. No. <laughs> where, uh, no. So Ivan Vanko and his uh, sick father are watching the Tony Stark I Am Iron Man press conference on the TV. His father dies right then and there. <laughs> Bad timing. And yeah. so Ivan starts building something, and he pulls out uh, pulls out plans that have his dad... And Tony's dad, Howard Stark's name on the plan. So we know that uh, this guy and Tony's dad have uh, some kind of history. But he ends up building the same power core that Tony built in the cave. So right right off the bat, we're told that, yeah, this guy is as smart as, as Tony, at least with being able to build stuff. A good intro. Yeah, there's some, there's some very uh, strong parallels that are showcased with um, him building the arc reactor, very similar to the the cave scene with Tony Stark in Iron Man 1. Even the music, I would say, sounds a little bit the same, if, if not maybe, uh, maybe a tad darker or a little bit more heavy. And later on, the relationship we see with their fathers are another good example of the contrast between them Ivan was super close to his dad, uh, loved him a great deal, and was uh, and it's his death that's the catalyst for him trying to take down Tony Stark. Whereas Tony, as he goes on to reveal in about the midpoint of the movie, reveals that his dad really didn't say much to him, and so their relationship was, uh, I guess, estranged, if you could say, at least until it. Uh, later on in the movie when Tony finds out the truth. Yeah. And, yeah, Tony built it in a cave. This guy built it in some crummy Russian workshop that looked pretty dingy and dirty. Uh, we cut to Iron Man entering the Stark Expo to uh, shoot to thrill by ACDC. Gives a big Gotta speech. Love. Dude, this was back when you could still play ACDC and people weren't like, oh, that's so cringe. People say that. Uh, I mean, it's just one, not cringe, but it's like at this point, it's like ACDC is like old hat, you know? Yeah, I suppose. I still love it. I, I, I figured out like I have like 10 ACD songs in ACDC songs in my uh, Apple library for what it's worth. Yeah. Well, he... all, all I can say, sorry, I was going to oh. say all I can say about the music is. It really fits uh, Robert Downey Jr.'s portrayal of Tony Stark. Yeah. He's oh, the. Sure. Uh, he's kind of like um, Johnny Lawrence if he had a ton of money <laughs> and was smart. <laughs> oh, I was like Johnny Lawrence, and then I was like, oh, Cobra Kai. Yeah, for sure. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, he gives a big speech at the uh, Stark Expo. He leaves. We get our Stanley cameo as Larry King. Stark is then summoned by Kate Mara to Congress. So they end up questioning Tony on a uh, citizen owning a weapon like the Iron Man suit. Tony says, no, it's an advanced uh, prosthetic. 
And they tell <laughs> Tony that other countries are creating Iron Man suits. And then Tony basically just hacks into their little TV monitors. And he's like, okay, well, here's North Korea. And uh, here's Iran. And they're making suits, both of which failed very badly. Then they bring in, uh, they also had a weapons expert there, Justin Hammer. And they show his company made a suit. It also failed. So, but we cut to Ivan and his suit has not failed. But uh, Tony has assured everyone that, you know, every country is, you know, at least five years away from having an Iron Man suit. So it's all yeah. good. Not not only is it all good, but also he gets a, I believe, Senator Stern says, F you, Tony Stark. Yeah, that's crazy. Yes, he Yes, he does. <laughs> Live on the air of a uh, C-SPAN, I believe. Yes. The channel. Um, just some just some subtle things I noticed. Just looking back at this with, uh, re- in retrospect, there's a lot of subtle things that are not necessarily planting seeds for what we see later, but definitely what you could say a lot of the plot points are built off of. Case in point, Senator Stern in Captain America: The Winter Soldier is is seen uh is on screen and he says hail hydra so in a lot of ways you could view this as hydra attempting to gain control over tony stark's tech through the means of the u.s government and that's a good catch mm-hmm. there's <laughs> one more thing i had oh and also Rhodey's comments in regards to the iron man suit where he says because he doesn't answer to anyone, he poses as a dan- potentially as a danger to, I believe, America and her interests or something along those lines. Which also, to a degree, plays up the Soviet Accords or is what you could view as an early foundation for what the Soviet Accords are built off of in Captain America Civil War. Oh, for sure. For sure. This definitely they were laying building blocks here. Yeah, this was, like I said, the first movie. Not including the end credits of Hulk and uh, Iron Man 1. This was the first movie that felt like they were building, you know, to the universe. Well, it's funny because you even see an allusion to, uh, spoiler alert, to Captain America. And they just kind of, you know, it's not hidden. But it's like, ah, just matter of fact, like, hey, this thing. Yeah. Yeah, The level out of pipe. And it's and it's funny because Phil Coulson is trying to see if he's got a fellow fanboy. He's like, you know what this is? <laughs> <laughs> well, stuff. back at Stark Labs, um, I, I almost forgot that uh, the voice of uh, the Jarvis and how he'll play a major character. So another yeah, kind Paul of Paul Bettany voice acting role into like a fifteen year tenure. So back at Stark Labs, he learns that the use of the Iron Man suit and the uh, the power or the uh, the arc in his chest it's slowly poisoning him. So uh, Pepper Potts yeah, we, comes in. Um, she's I, I did love this scene where she's got like a cold and he's like, you know, I uh, I wish you would wear a surgical mask until you feel better. And she says, well, that's rude. So. Oh my gosh! She would uh she would have hated the last two years. Well, she, <laughs> I mean, you've seen Contagion. She's the one who started the outbreak in Contagion as well. I have not. I'm sensing a theme here. I believe you. Maybe it's that 
vagina water that she's selling. Oh my god. <laughs> <laughs> One, it's a candle. Oh, yeah, a candle, whatever. It's an airborne. Yes. Yes, dude. Uh, yes, Gwyneth Paltrow's, Gwyneth Paltrow's vagina candle started COVID. Hey, you know. Oh my god. So anyway, uh, Tony then just makes her the CEO of Stark Industries. So, long story short. Yeah. yeah. So, next day, Tony and Happy are uh, sparring, and in walks <sighs> Natasha... Nope, not Natasha Romanoff. It's Natalie Rushman. Uh, she uh, Stark makes her his new assistant to replace Pepper. And mm-hmm. Tony's then off to Monaco for the famous race. You get an Elon Musk cameo here. And Tony's like, he's like, what's the point of owning a race car if you're not going to drive it? So he just enters the race, which I guess you can do. I mean, who's yeah. Gonna, who's going to stop him? Yeah, uh, Jimmy, jo- or not Jimmy Johnson, Dan Snyder does that all the time. Yeah. yeah, and coupled by the fact that considering that Tony operates uh, a mech suit on a regular basis, I don't think anyone's going to be like, you're not qualified enough to drive this car. Okay, <laughs> that's true. That's fair. And I did love that the driver that he replaced looked kind of mad and stomped off. <laughs> of course he would be. Come on now. Probably if someone did this quite to a payday. Brad, if someone did this to Brad Keselowski or or Bubba Wallace or Kyle Larson, they'd be pissed too, man. Yeah, like I said, it's probably All I'm a saying is, big payday if you to race in it. Mm-hmm. All I'm saying is if Elon Musk, if I'm a driver and Elon Musk says, "Hey, I want to drive the car today." All I'm gonna ask is, you're gonna pay me for this. You're gonna pay me double for that, right? Yeah. I'm yeah. pretty sure Monaco is like the most expensive place in the world to vacation. I could be wrong, but it seems like it seems like that's correct. Well, that <laughs> is not a problem I'll have to worry about, Ed. Yeah, maybe one day. <laughs> anyway, one of the members of the pit crew is actually Ivan Vanko. So. Oh. During the race, Ivan just walks onto the track. He fires up his suit underneath the. Uh, jumpsuit and the suit just burns off the uh the shirt and he's got these big energy whips so he slices one of the cars in half it's pretty cool and he sees coat uh, tony coming does the same to him start crashes um he's about to uh you know finish off tony and then happy and pepper drive onto the track they manage to run over ivan <laughs> And uh, they give Tony a portable Iron Man suit, and he suits up. Um, Iron Man does beat Ivan fairly easy. Ivan's suit is really just more of a, um, like a, uh, I don't know, like a vest, kind of, like a metal vest with the whips. It's not not a lot there, so he's easily beaten. And uh, Tony rips out the core and shuts his suit off. Sorry, his his suit kind of reminded me of uh, God, I can't remember his full name, but I know it was Cole from Infamous. If you played Infamous, hmm, I didn't, but uh, I mean, it was a cool reveal yes. with the, sh- the shirt burning off and him just whipping through these uh, you know, indie cars. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Something different. I like it. I like something different and a good reveal. Oh, well, for sure. Over... Yeah. While I overall like the overall the fight, especially that uh, that suit up scene with Tony and Mark, what suit is that? Mark Five. My biggest problem is just how all that comes to be. 
So it's awfully convenient that he was posing as a te- as a uh, car technician on the sidelines because was his goal just to take out the car that uh, that was owned by Stark or sponsored by Stark and then wait yeah. for Iron Man to come blast him? And mm. then it's just the fact that, that, that you just mentioned, uh, Eddie, about the fact that it's not really a suit as much as it's just a vest. And so the immediate question is, in a place with that much uh, high-end clientele, there's going to be security. Yes. His, 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 chest, his chest is exposed. His head is exposed. If somebody wanted to take him out, it wouldn't have been. It, sh- it shouldn't have taken long. I'm not mm-hmm. expecting them to walk around with sniper rifles, obviously, but a, a, a good placed handgun would end that scene before it happens. Yes. I never thought about yes. that. What was his plan if Tony never took over the car? <laughs> he was gonna. He was just gonna be in the pit crew the whole race, brother. He was, right. he was gonna be like, "Hey, if you don't come down here, I'm gonna kill this uh, car technician. Yes. Or uh, this car driver. Make a." I think maybe the plan was just make an honest, you know, do an honest day's work in a pit crew. <laughs> <laughs> That's cool. The American also, dream. Yeah. To your point, Simon, if this race was in Texas, uh, Ivan Vanko's um, little plot here wouldn't have lasted too long. And yeah. then another thing that isn't as big of a deal, but it's just a bit of a nitpick on my end, yeah. because the trend was starting to die, but it still made its appearance. The bad guy... And sometimes the good guy walking away from an explosion. <laughs> yeah. Oh, man. Who doesn't love a good explosion? Well, Tony goes to visit Ivan in jail, and Ivan tells him his father is Anton Vanko, and that Stark's family are nothing but thieves. And uh, Tony's like, eh, whatever. So, in jail, <laughs> uh, one of the guards puts someone in Ivan's cell who looks a lot like Ivan. And then puts a bomb, his mashed potatoes, or not mashed potatoes, or a bomb. So Ivan just looks, and he's like, okay. And he kills the dude, and then just blows up the cell. I love that he just knew what to do. That was cool. And then uh, these guys come and take Ivan to a hangar. They meet the man responsible for it, and it is Justin Hammer. And Hammer tells Ivan, we're a lot alike, but I have resources, and you need them, so we can go after Stark and destroy his legacy. Legacy. And Ivan agrees, but he does want his bird, his uh, cockatoo. His bird. Mm-hmm. His bird, not any bird. So uh, Rhodes goes by uh, Tony's place, says the government is after your suits now because you said it would take years for someone to possess this technology, but someone had it yesterday. I would argue well, it wasn't quite his technology, but I get his point. Pretty close. Yeah. Uh, meanwhile, Hammer shows uh, Ivan around his lab, and he's got an army of Iron Man suits. Um, meanwhile, again, Tony's poison in his blood is at 89%, so he's almost dead. Yeah. Uh, Tony's also having a birthday party, and he gets drunk in the Iron Man suit, per the advice of uh, Natasha, kind of. Yeah. And, uh, well, because dying, like, ah, I may as well go out on a, go out on a bender. Yeah, sure. That so seems Pepper, like a very early 2000s Robert Downey Jr. move, but whatever. <laughs> it does, yep. Yeah, pretty much. So Pepper and uh, 
Roddy are uh, furious over this. They like this is not going to help us in the eye of the government. You parading around, you know, doing parlor tricks with the suit and blowing up watermelons and whatever. And <laughs> um, so uh, Roddy suits himself up in just another Iron Man suit, and uh, he wants to shut down Tony's suit. Tony fights back, and they end up basically wrecking the place. They shoot the energy blasts at each other, and the energy blasts hit and make a big explosion. Remember that for later. So, yeah. Um, yeah. The, I thought the fight scene and the CGI for, for this, it, it really holds up, even by today's standards. Um, this is back when they were doing a lot more stuff practically and then polishing up with some CGI versus a lot of the newer movies where the vast majority of the suits are composed via digital effects. Um, there's also a, another subtle hint to Natasha's role as Black Widow. When uh, Iron Man and uh, Rhodey crash through the uh, crash through the floor to where the guests are, she kind of takes like a defensive stance as the as everything crumbles around her. And then that, and then as you know, she walks off, and we see her just a tad bit later. I also thought there was this really funny line from Rhodey. It's like you don't deserve to wear one of these. It's it's it, it, but but it belongs to him. So yeah, that's a I, good point. I, I, get, I get this. I get the sentiment, but <laughs> I don't think that works. Yeah, it's it's like I, I kind of own it. <laughs> yeah. Well, not anymore because uh, Rhodey takes he flies out in one of the suits. So what did they say he had five? Or maybe I just made that up. I don't know. Uh, anyway, he, he flies, um, Rhodey does, flies uh, to an Air Force base, and uh, now the government has one of his suits. So, there you go. And, um, where was I? I lost my notes. Oh, and then, um, yeah. So, the following day, uh, Nick Fury pays Tony a visit, tells him, you know, first off, Natalie isn't Natalie. She's Natasha Romanoff. She's one of my agents. And hey, they real give... quick, real quick, and I'm sorry, this may be a nitpick, but it, it, it seems so common that like when someone goes undercover, that her initials were literally the exact same. Natalie Rushman, Natasha Romanoff. Why wouldn't you just make her like a uh, Rachel Smith or something? You know what I'm saying? I don't know. I did notice I, that, though. In the grand scheme of things, it doesn't really matter, but it's just weird. And the, well, this movie is filled with a lot of conveniences, being perfectly <laughs> yeah. honest. So yeah. this that, that that wasn't her initials wasn't even a blip on my radar. I didn't no, even notice I, that. I understand. I just it's something, as you said, Natalie Rushman. I'm like, oh, wow. Yeah. Ugh. <laughs> Well, maybe she's a fan of Rush. Yeah. That'd be like if I went undercover and my name was like Carl Bush or something. You a fan of Bush? Uh, Yeah, I love Machine Head. Yeah. Me too. Yep. Um, so, um, oh, God, where did I leave off at again? Oh, yeah, so she's uh, Natasha Romanoff, and they give Tony a temporary fix for his blood problem. So, you know, say... This will uh, hold off on you dying for this, now. 
This is them basically saying, first one's free. Yeah. It's like when you give someone steroids when they're dying. It's like, well, this will make them feel like normal for a few weeks. I was thinking more like a drug thing, but whatever. Could be. So Tony does mention he's still not interested in joining this boy band, whatever it is. Something tells me he will. Yeah, maybe. Meanwhile, Ivan is given a bird, but not his bird. But he's okay with it, I guess. And he has turned the Iron Man suits into drones, much to the dismay of Hammer. He's like, drones are reliable. People are not. Uh, I I see his point, but uh, I don't know. Yeah, the comedy bits between, those, between these two are... They leave a lot to be desired. Like, the whole bird thing was just not funny. So. Yeah. Hey, we got you. We got you this bird from Russia. No, you didn't. I, mean, I do yeah, like what but... they did with the bird later, though. Um, so Fury, but tells... also like, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. This just kind of displays the incompetence of Justin Hammer. Like, clearly, Vanko's up to something, and you're just either willfully ignoring it, or you're just obtuse, I guess. Well, yeah, Hammer's definitely incompetent. I mean, he uh. Ivan hacks into his system immediately. <laughs> yes, yes. So like, can we get him a passcode? Oh, never mind. He's he's got it. He's like your tech stinks. <laughs> um. So yeah, back at Fury and Stark. Fury tells Stark about Anton Vanko and how he's basically a Russian version of Tony's dad. He wanted to make money instead of changing the world. So he's kind of like Tony in that way, old yeah. Tony. Uh, so Tony's dad just sent Anton to the Soviet Union. I don't. Not sure how he had the ability to do that, but he did. Um, so Fury also tells Tony that his dad was a founding member of S.H.I.E.L.D. How about that? And then Fury leaves Tony with a case, a uh, physical case, not like a police case, and yeah. a babysitter, Agent Phil Coulson. So Hammer shows up at the Air Force base where uh, Rhodey is, and... Hammer uh, sells Rhodey a ton of weapons. Uh, meanwhile, Tony opens the case and watches an old movie. It's a raw cut of his presentation. Um, in his, oh, sorry, during his presentation at uh, Starkfest or Stark Expo, uh, he shows like an old <laughs> video of his dad. And it was like an uncut version of it. I did love one of the outtakes where his dad's like, "Now I'd like to show you my ass." <laughs> <laughs> that was good. Um, yeah, good stuff. And then the um, you know the footage ends, and then Howard's still there, and he's like, "Hey, Tony." He's like, "If you're seeing this, uh, means I'm dead. I couldn't tell you this earlier because you wouldn't understand it, but uh, I won't live long enough to see my dream fulfilled. But uh, you can. And out of all the things, my greatest creation is you. So Tony then heads to Stark Industries. Um, so where Pepper's watching uh, the O'Reilly Factor, and he's bad-mouthing her. <laughs> the appointment of the CEO. Which, yeah. to his credit, it's like, how do you go from personal assistant to CEO? As a shareholder, I'd be concerned, too. But it's very... Sell those stocks immediately. As someone who grew up in a uh, conservative household, it's very Bill O'Reilly. The way he kind of ham... Uh, I think what Virginia, Jamie was Pepper, trying to say is... Uh, 
Bill's a great guy, and I wish you'd back on the air, but he cut out there, so that's assumed. Oh, that's exactly, that's definitely. <laughs> he says, Bill's innocent. Definitely what I said. <laughs> yeah, he's sending me a text. He says, Bill's Didn't, innocent, that, put him back on the air, get rid of Tucker Carlson. Interesting take. Okay. Can you not hear me? Can you not weird. hear me? <laughs> a, little, a little bit, but you broke up, so then we just kept going with it. <laughs> okay. Uh, yeah, no, just uh, just Bill O'Reilly going on about Pepper Potts. And just the way he kind of hammered that name, like with some dismay, you know? Yeah, he, I noticed he called her a pinhead, and that was a popular line he used to use. My grandparents were all about it, the, uh, the O'Reilly factor. Spin stops here. Oof. Yeah. Yeah, anyway, it was the uh, no spin. <laughs> yeah. So anyway, Tony's visit doesn't go well. I did like he was just distracted by this weird thing on her desk. That was funny. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, the visit doesn't go well. Pepper tosses him out. But uh, Tony, he's, like, looking at this big model of his dad's, you know, city of the future. And he's, like, he just steals it and puts it in his uh, convertible or whatever it was. And uh, he's driving down the freeway with this big, giant diorama in his front seat. And he discovers that the model is actually a key to a new element, which will be a replacement for his, uh, his reactor that's actually killing him. Good thing he caught that in time, because that would have been uh, that was quite a, a that was quite a thing to hide from your son, <laughs> and just expecting that he'll find it, but he did. So Stark remodels uh, his lab, changes his suit, goes from a circle core to a triangle. Oh. and during this, uh, Coulson tells him, you know, goodbye. I got reassigned to New Mexico. Hmm, and I wrote. I love this because this is our first, other than the end credits, this is our first in-movie Easter egg about the MCU, and you would think that that's just a throwaway line, but you'd be wrong. There's New Mexico's a whole new movie. Yeah. Yep. As someone who um, had not seen Iron Man 2, I had no idea what this was even alluding to, because I actually haven't seen Thor in years either. Uh, Spoiler alert. (laughs) Damn it. Sorry. So, yeah, Tony builds the new element. Like I said, it's now a triangle in his chest. And elsewhere, Hammer is unhappy with all the changes Ivan has made, so he locks Ivan up, takes his bird in a... He, like, captures the bird in a sack, and he leaves him with two guards. And Mm. this was maybe my favorite... uh, Not my favorite scene, but at least my favorite shot in the movie, where... um, Ivan just laughs at these two guards, and then, like, the immediately next scene, Tony, like, Jarvis, or Vision, gets, like, a phone call, and he's like, a call from a blocked number, and he's like, hey, Phil, how's uh, the Land of Enchantment? And it's actually Ivan calling him, and then in the background, you just see the two guards' legs dangling from the ceiling. (laughs) Loved (laughs) that. That was great. And he's got his bird back, so. Um, Yeah. But he tells him he's going to make him pay for what he did to his family. And he can't quite track the location, but he gets it, it's close to where Hammer's uh, facilities are. So he's like, oh, he's working with Hammer. That makes sense. Yeah, I, I got a lot to say about the dynamic between them as well as uh, everything in between. So as, we, as you said a few minutes ago, Anton wanted to get rich from the... Uh, technology of the arc reactor 
and then Howard just sent him back. I feel like that's one of those situations where there was some real, there's a potential for some really interesting storytelling if they had went a different direction there. Like, maybe, like maybe Howard Stark did screw him over, and so he feel, and so that can make Tony feel a little bit more uh, perplexed about the situation because because the guy is technically in the right. He's just taking it to the extreme. Mm-hmm. Um, I feel like just doing the clear cut good guy bad guy thing just made the movie a lot more simpler. And I'm not saying it needed to be this incredibly complex narrative, but little wrinkles here and there really helped to just flesh out a lot of characters and the uh, overall issue. Because hearing something like that and then seeing the tape with his father telling him how much he cares about him and believes in him would be a nice uh, conflict of interest. And there's also something to say in regards to just switching gears a little bit. There's also something to say in regards to the new element that Tony, quote unquote, rediscovers. So they in the novelization for Iron Man 2, it's revealed that Tony discovered vibranium. And so that's it. So that uh, core he makes is a synthetic vibranium. And but the problem I have with that and that and that uh is because it's not revealed in the movie. And so that's something you have to get from like outside material. And one of my philosophies when it comes to media, particularly movies and television, I don't want to have to read a book to understand a television show or movie. And I don't want to watch a movie or TV show to understand the book. Yeah, it's it's the basic principle of don't make me do homework for this this thing that I chose to watch. Exactly. Oh God, I almost dropped something. <laughs> uh, <laughs> yes, um, I would agree. Um, it it kind of felt like a cheap way out of his uh, his the blood poisoning thing too. But I mean, I guess you had to resolve that. So, yeah, you kind of you kind of couldn't just kill him off here. No, that comes later. I mean, <laughs> knowing what vibranium does, and Black Panther kind of broke vibranium as much as I like that movie, but yeah. it, but it basically can do everything. So yeah. seeing it now, it's a, seeing a synthetic version of it heal Tony, mm-hmm. eh, it doesn't bother me as much. That's yeah. true. So we cut to Hammer. He's talking at this big expo, and Hammer introduces his drones that Ivan built. Hammer then reveals James Rhodes, who's wearing the War Machine suit. Suddenly, Iron Man shows up. Iron Man tells Rhodes that uh, Vanko's alive and asks Hammer where he is. And then War Machine and all the drones uh, are suddenly hacked by Ivan back at the base. So War Machine and the drones fly after Iron Man, trying to kill him. Rhodes has no control over the suit at this point. Meanwhile, yeah. Natasha strong arms Hammer to tell him who's behind this and where Vanko is. And meanwhile, Pepper does her duty and calls the police. <laughs> so yes, yeah. Um, I did like <laughs> the scene where a drone goes to shoot this kid in an Iron Man mask, and then Iron Man saves him. That was fun <laughs> because the drone Which didn't in fact, know it was not him. Which in fact is was confirmed by some of the writers a few years ago as a retconned appearance of a young Peter Parker. Hmm. Interesting. 
I like it. <laughs> I don't. Ex- I I did like that they had like uh, they give out gloves with a little glowing dot in the middle to like for the Iron Man hands. That was seems like something that would happen in real life if Iron Man was real. Yeah, like like the DX glow sticks at WWE shows. Yeah. Yeah, those are. I also want to. Those are great. I also want to uh, just draw attention to a line I just thought was hilarious. Because keep in mind, the MCU movies uh, are pretty parallel to our actual uh, our actual uh, year and calendar. Yeah. So it's a Iron Man one in two thousand eight is at is actually in universe two thousand eight. I say that to say, Justin Hammer says a line that says, "The pre- when I start selling these suits, they're gonna have the same problem as the press. Something along the lines of they're gonna run out of ink." And it, mind you, in, in this movie, it's 2010. Yep. And the digital age has been a thing for at least two years now. Yeah. And, and no one's been buying papers for quite a while. Yeah. Maybe it's maybe it's because I studied journalism. And I just thought that was hilarious. Like, what are you talking about? No, no, I get it. Like, it's wild to me because papers are still, you know, still hanging on by a thread. I got a buddy who works at a paper out in uh, Missouri, oddly enough, and I give him crap about it all the time. But, you know. Still holding on, man. Yeah. It's mostly just subscribe online and read them. Yeah. But, sure. Um, so, yes, Happy and uh, Natasha break into Hammer's facility, and we get our first look at Black Widow. So she's just beating dudes' asses. It's pretty awesome. And I sent this in the uh, on our group chat. At this point, I was like, God, it's crazy that this movie, it's 12 years old, and it it already is starting to feel nostalgic. It's like, yeah. God, I can't believe like this was the first look at Black Widow, and she just had a movie last year, and I don't know. It's just crazy. More on that later on my final grade. but Oh, for uh, sure. So Ivan sees that Hammer's base has been broken into, and he powers up a new suit. Meanwhile, War Machine and Iron Man, they crash into an indoor park at Oracle. Maybe, uh... no, that's where the... Warriors used to play. Um, so the Giants play now. Oracle Park. Yeah. Um, not, not the baseball park. Yeah, no. No. Uh, so they're at the... Uh, they're kind of sort of battling, but Natasha reboots the war machine, so Rhodes is back in control of it. Natasha also tells Tony his vitals are looking good and the new arc is working. And, of course, Pepper overhears this. She's upset that, uh, you know, she never knew that Tony was even dying. No time for that. In comes uh, tons of drones, which uh, are all pretty easily defeated. So, I don't know. They, I, I, I kind of wish the drones posed more of a threat than they actually did. Yeah, especially when Tony takes it out with one shot with that, uh, that I forget whatever that laser's called, but the bit, the small red one. Like, literally just one swing and all the robots attacking them are basically gone. Yeah. yeah, but we did get uh, in comes Whiplash, Ivan in the Whiplash suit, which was pretty cool. Yeah, and uh, and then Ivan Vanko comes in and slaps Robert Downey Jr. across the face and says, "Was I rushing or dragging?" <laughs> I waited. I waited over an hour to make that joke. This is also a good time. <laughs> this is also a good time to mention just how much of a loser Justin Hammer is. Yes. Because yeah. in, in the scene where we see him 
at modify the Iron Man two, the Iron the Iron Man uh, suit Mark two, the all silver one. He brings out all these guns, semi-automatic rounds, shotgun action, the subatomic, a uh, submachine gun, excuse me. Um, and then he mentions this yeah. all-powerful Cuban cigar of weapon. <laughs> the main event. The, ex, the main event. The creme de la creme. The ex-wife. Which, which was a pretty funny joke, I will add. Yes. But unfortunately, as Tony I already said multiple times in the movie, if, if he invents something, Hammer has a bad habit of inventing things that don't work. <laughs> so this all-powerful bullet, the missile that'll send an explosion into the upper atmosphere... Does nothing. It's a. It's it literally just bounces off his chest, falls into the water, and turns off. Yeah. yeah. He's like Hammer Tech. He's like, yep. <laughs> <laughs> and, and meanwhile, Hammer is arrested by the police. So there yes. you go. I also yeah. I also have something to say about that. So he mentioned he's talking trash to Pepper. He's like, I get it. You're gonna take out the competition. He's like, you're gonna be seeing me real soon, real soon. We do. And not. I just want to point out. <laughs> It is currently February 2022. There have been 25 other movies released <laughs> since the release of Iron Man 2. We have never seen and nor have we heard of this man again. Oh, give it time. Give it time. Hey. He's going to be the, the <laughs> He's going to be the the end credits guy at the end of Multiverse of Madness. I swear hey, to god. Listen, the um the the, the terrorist group that captured Tony and Iron Man One was the uh, the ten was one of the Ten Rings clans. So yeah, give, let's, not you know, ring, let's not pull it out. It can take twenty or so years. I'm just saying. Yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> well, if it gives us a movie as good as Shang Chi, then by all means. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. So um, for Squirrel Girl. <laughs> so Whiplash, he beats up Iron Man, War Machine, pretty good. He's got them both wrapped, both of their heads wrapped around in his whips, and they do the same thing from the party. They um, they shoot their energy blast right in the middle, creates a big explosion, and uh, the same one from Tony's house, and um, wrecks Whiplash's suit. And Ivan's just sitting there, and he's like, oh, "You still lose," as all the drones are set to blow up, including himself, so he's get he's dead. And um but there's one drone, the one drone way back at the beginning, with that uh the kid he almost tried to kill the kid. Uh he Tony flies way back there, he saves Pepper right before that drone blows up. And uh yeah, Pepper then quits the CEO. So I guess Bill O'Reilly was right. She's just not cut out yeah. for this. Um, exactly. Rhodes also, also says pre- he's keeping this suit. A few things. I also, I really appreciate the fact that they had him flying at top speed, stop, pick her up, and then fly her up. Because in reality, if he had tried to do any of that at mock speed with a with a suit as dense as his, yeah. he would have he would have turned her into mashed potatoes. Yeah, it'd be like uh, a train running through Huey's girlfriend. Um, <laughs> I'm pretty sure we made that. We mentioned that in episode one. When like Superman catches Lois, it's like she would be. Yeah. It would be more painful to be caught by Superman than to hit the ground. Hey, you know what? Hundred episodes and we're making the same jokes, man. Like, and same observations. Love it. Okay. <laughs> yes, that's what evolution really is, man. It's coming back to the beginning. Uh. <laughs> uh. 
did I? Oh, by the way, um, yo, Pepper Potts was hearing that that thing beat for like a good fifteen seconds, and she didn't even walk away from it. Well, she's a pinhead. We established this in the movie. Yes, <laughs> yeah. Bill, Bill O'Reilly did establish that. Yes. <laughs> uh, um, I also wanted to take the time and say. I really appreciate the fact that they didn't pull the trigger on their relationship in Iron Man 1. Mm-hmm. And it's because because uh, I really like the banter that they had in this movie. You get a lot of that romantic tension. that They, they clearly both want to go for it, but there's always something coming up or a reason for one of them to stay away from the other. And I think this is probably uh, this is probably one of the best buildups for any relationships we've seen so far. Uh even now, looking back on the MCU from 2022, this is probably one of, if not the best relationship we've seen. Yeah, it's up there, I would say. Because uh, you're right, they did do the build-up. And I I mean, they haven't even, it's been two movies and they haven't kissed yet, if I remember correctly. They kiss well, well, they kiss at the end of this one, but that's what oh, makes yeah, it so yeah, good. Yeah. So it's literally like the at the last second of this movie. Yeah. All right, well, I'll... Two movies in 98% of a... Or one movie in 98% of another movie. Yeah. So, uh, Tony's at a debriefing from Fury, and he's looking at the uh, this folder called The Avenger Initiative. And he's like, I don't think that's for you. But uh, this is Natasha's assessment. And this is... Uh, she said that she is not not recommending you for The Avengers Initiative. And Tony's like, oh, okay. I don't know what that means, but all right. And then we yeah, Iron with... Man. Sorry, okay. yeah, Iron Man gets the okay. Tony Stark, no. Yeah. <laughs> the movie ends with uh, Tony and uh, Rhodes being honored by the senator that uh, gave them all a hard time earlier. Don't don't say the quote. Okay, and roll credits. But we know better. It's a Marvel movie. There's more. So, Coulson is driving in the desert of New Mexico. He stops, he gets on the phone, says, Sir, we found it. And we cut to an old RV with smoke coming out the... No, that would... It's another show. It is the Thor hammer embedded into a rock. The end. wonder mm. where that leads. I don't know. I don't either. I no Probably idea. a Thor movie. Maybe. Who knows? Yeah, um, yeah. But for all we know, it'll be shot on a bunch of Dutch angles. Well, all right. <laughs> bro, uh, I, full. I, I'm gonna be uh, fully transparent here. Before this review, I was gonna give this an eight, but as Simon had, you know, pointed out all the uh, the odd coincidences and the just conveniencies that we had here. Uh, I will knock this down to a seven and a half, but that's still for a sequel, especially that's very good. Oh yeah. Yeah. This was very enjoyable. Uh, I enjoyed the two hours. It didn't feel like two hours either, which is also a good, a mark of a good film as well. Yeah. And you gave uh, Iron Man one, eight and a half. I gave it nine. Yeah. Simon. Yeah. Um, when I look back at the pros and cons of this movie, I think there was a lot of good development for the relationship of Pepper and Tony and seeing another side of Tony in these movies. Uh, As I already mentioned, the relationship aspect, the CGI still holds up, like I said, to this day, really good world building. Um, 
it's shot with a little bit more color and oomph and oomph than a lot of more modern MCU movies, which are been accused by accused are are accused by a lot of people of being a bit more gray. And I and looking at this, looking back at this movie, which is a, which is at least three years before the Disney purchase, I can definitely see um, the difference. But the main things that just don't sit well with me are the whole mystery box new element. Because you tell us it's a new element, but you don't tell us what it's called. Um, the, the messy first fight and the fact that the main villain, the biggest villain in the story, gets beaten in the first 30 minutes. Like This isn't Avengers Endgame. You didn't build up enough for that. Um, <laughs> and I, some, of my, some of these cons border on nitpicks more so than like hard, big issues aside from the first fight. But overall, I used to think this movie was a lot worse than it was. And having revisited it a second time recently, this is actually... And I would probably give this, since adhering to your uh, ratings of out of 10, I would yeah. still give this a 6. And to, and to give some context, I'd give Iron Man 1 an 8. This I'd give a 6. It's not bad per se, but it's very messy. That's, That's sick. Fair. Yeah. So, you guys all made good points, and I don't disagree with any of them. And Iron Man 1 was a better movie than this, but this one I did have, I think, a little more fun watching. And maybe it's just because I already know what's coming, so maybe that's not fair, but whatever. I don't care. I enjoyed all the teases to the new movie. I enjoy that they introduce, you know, new characters that we're going to see down the line. I enjoyed the the teases to, um, you know, other things where a character goes off and now they're going to do something else. And like I said, it's crazy to me that, um, you know, we're at the point where this really does feel like nostalgia. I mean, it's like we all saw a Super Bowl commercial where it's like they've already they're introducing the Illuminati and they're talking about oh well you know maybe uh Tom Cruise is going to be Tony Stark in another universe and it's like in 2010 that would sound insane like what in the hell are you, how did Marvel get if you'd have told me that in 2022 like Tony uh Tom Cruise might be a new Tony Stark I would be like wow Iron Man must have really fell off the cliff and Disney must have screwed him up something bad but no it all makes sense but now this is like this is almost nostalgic where you can kind of revisit and see how all of this started where, you know, we started off with the big heavy hitters and now we've had a movie called Shang-Chi. And it's like in 2010, I wouldn't even known who that is. So, um, so I give it credit for that. Uh, before I give the rating, since this is episode 100, um, I didn't write their names down. So Caleb, you'll have to help me, but okay. I think it's appropriate that we thank all of the, uh, Guest pickers that we've had, starting, of course, okay. with Simon, uh, Michael, so, Eli. Yes. Um, I've got, and, I've got, I've got everyone here, okay? Got all these names listed. Okay. And I'll go, go in ahead. reverse. All right, so thank you, Simon, of course. Um, Josh Davis, recently on the show, he was on the yeah. X-Men Origins Marine episode. Simon, of course, was also on Spider-Man 3 and Spider-Man 2. Rance Morris, thank you for coming on for Sky High. Greg Records, thank you for dropping in on Sin City. And 
Blade. Let's see here. The Doc, Chad Matthews, thank you for dropping in on X2, X-Men United. Eli Sayers, let's see here. (laughs) Uh, He did all three Turtles and Daredevil. I remember that. And Daredevil, yep. Uh, Dub Cothran, thank you for dropping in on all three Crow movies that we did. That was those uh, two of those were rough. Yeah, yeah, but hey, at least you know the third one had turned that effing baby down. Uh, <laughs> thank you, John DeBona, for coming in on Steel. Oddly oh enough, my God. Yeah. Uh, Floyd, Floyd Johnson, thank you for coming on for Spawn. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Uh, Carl Irvin, good friend of mine, thank you for coming in on Batman and Robin. And let's see, did I mention anyone? Michael Rainey from the Dad Meat Podcast. Thank you, our first guest back on episode 13 for Batman. So thank you to everyone who came in to uh, review these movies with us as well. And we look forward to 100 plus more episodes as well. Well, unfortunately, we're only going to go to 188. Oh, really? (laughs) If they don't make any more movies beyond Aquaman and the Lost Kingdom. Yeah, no, like, yeah, we'll be fine. Having said all that, uh, again... Dude, wasn't DC, as good as... dude, DC's dropping four movies this year alone. Like, yeah, we'll, we'll be fine. Might have to yeah. dig through some Netflix. Uh, I know Netflix dropped one last year. It was like two women superheroes. Got horrible reviews, but it's like, maybe. Might have to do it to extend the, the series. <laughs> it's like Thunder and Lightning or something like that. I don't know. I didn't put it hey, in there. Hey, the um, comic book age is not slowing down by any means. By any means, at this point. You know, it's funny. I always thought, like, up to a year and a half ago, I'm like, this bubble has to pop at some point. <laughs> but now I'm convinced, like, it's it's lived through, like, What If and Low Key and all these other things. It's like, is the bubble ever going to pop? I don't know. Yeah. It survived COVID. It's not going anywhere. Yeah. That's true. Yeah. Uh, anyway, Iron Man 2, not as good as Iron Man 1, but a little more fun, I thought, than Iron Man 1 just because of uh, the world building it did. So, first Iron Man I give a 9. I will give an 8.5 to this one. I really My, enjoyed uh, it and had had a lot of fun with it. Wow. I don't disagree with all the nitpicks, but... Uh, but I am going to disregard them. All right, yeah. <laughs> hey, that, hey, that's your prerogative. I know yeah. I, I'm pretty sure there are movies I enjoy that most people would be like, that doesn't hold up as well. You know what? Speaking of movies you might enjoy that might not hold up that well... Next week, <laughs> folks, next week, I want you to fire up HBO Max to join us when we review Jonah Hex. Hmm. Well, that's something. Yeah, it is something. Um, By the way, Iron it, Man 3, episode 117, so we got a... Interesting. Got a, got a couple months. Yeah, uh, that's like four, but yeah. Yeah. All right. So, Simon, again, thank you for coming on. Guys, again, follow him on Twitter at SGC Speaks. And Chief Photographer and Editor at SGC uh, Photographs, pardon me. Thank you very much. No problem. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Dude, you're always welcome on here. Like, it was a Twitter thread that you had posted that I was like, Jesus Christ, we need more Simon. Because it was about, wasn't it about WandaVision, right? I, yes. And I can't wait. I can't wait till we start talking about that show because I got some stuff to say to people. Uh, oh boy, yeah. Um, man, 
come to think of it, like we did a one division podcast and given your thoughts, like, man, I wish if we could turn back time, share style, would love to have you on as the fourth mic. But <laughs> yeah, come on for Doctor Strange Multiverse of Madness at uh Hell yeah. But Absolutely. Uh, I'm what are super you doing, excited for that uh, movie. What are you what doing, are you doing 81 in... weeks from now? <laughs> yeah, what are you doing in like a year now? Uh, Don't well... make plans. Oh, we'll have the best of episodes, so like 84 <laughs> weeks. At some point at some point in like 2024, we need you yeah. to be free. <laughs> 84 weeks or so. Don't make any plans. Yeah, yeah. Duly loaded. <laughs> <laughs> Well, she'll she'll Folks, appear earlier than that, so you know you got op- opportunity. Yeah. yeah, for sure, for sure. Folks, we thank you for listening. One hundred episodes. My God, who who'd have thought we'd have made it this far, man? Not me. Yeah, yeah. Look at us. I um, mean, <laughs> like real quick. Uh, I did a wrestling podcast. Uh, it lasted about a year and a half, and honestly. Uh, my co-host kind of got burned out, and I sort of did too. And it just yeah. it happens. But honestly, with this oh. one, I'm like, I want to keep going. I want to catch up to real time to be like, well, yeah. now what the hell do we do? They're not they they're not keeping up with our pace of a movie over every week. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. And not only that, it's like you know, it's like, and I'm gonna be candid here, guys. There are weeks where you can probably tell I'm going through burnout. But it's like, I'm going to fight through that just because I love this. That's why I keep doing it. If nobody listened to this, I would still do it. Like, that's how much I love this. So, you know, all jokes about our listener count aside, I do thank each and every one of you for listening as well. And we are going to get out of here. And I'm going to quote one Gary Shandling, a.k.a. Senator Stern, when I say, funny how one Funny how annoying one little prick can be, isn't it?
часто выбирают, словно кастинг в фильме Не похожи на других и значит сразу фрики Нас так часто видят так, как им внушили фильтры Но мы те, кто есть внутри, без этой лишней пыли Так много взглядов ловили, как прокажи